my fault. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's good to be with you. Uh, last week, we started a, a, our, our kind of Christmas series. Um, I'm calling it uh, Prepping for Christmas, you know, um, any, the bigger the event, the more important the event, typically, the more preparation goes into that thing, right? Um, we talked last week about how uh, there was a study done that said for, for the average family Christmas, it's about 66 hours of, of preparation. Um, and, and, and we do that because we're celebrating uh, uh, such an important event. It was the most important event of all time. Right? Christ Jesus, God Himself coming to earth to reunite, to, to, to fix what was broken between us and Him. And because it was so important, the event itself took a lot of preparation. In fact, it took the entire Old Testament of preparing. That's the point of the Old Testament. It's all leading up to the coming of Jesus. And uh, last week we. we we looked at, at the last book of the Old Testament and how, how uh, the, in the, the, the prophet Malachi and how he, his prophecy was, was foretelling and it was preparing us for the next phase, which was going to be Jesus coming and the New Testament starting. And um, we're, looking at, we're looking at the Christmas story this year through uh, accounts of how God prepared us for this first Christmas. You know, Christmas should be a celebration of, of the reality that Jesus has come to us. It should be a time where we remember and focus on the fact that he still comes. This was not a, a one-time deal. This was the beginning of something that was, is progressive and increasing. Jesus doesn't just come at, at December 25th. He didn't just come once. He came once so that he could continue to invade our lives if we will be open to him. In prepping for Christmas, we, we have a, this question is, how do we receive this news well? You know, the bigger the news, even if it's good news, sometimes we're not ready for the news. And so one of the, the goals of this series is to, to look at the stories and to learn how do we receive Jesus well in this season? How do we receive him with faith and honest questions? Because how, if we're not ready for him, we can in some ways miss him. Today we're going to look at a, a familiar story. It's a, a, about one man's journey to receive that good news. And his uh, and his story with, with the good news, his story with Jesus coming, with his part in Jesus' story, is an interesting one. It's a familiar one. Um, and it's, I think it's one that we can relate to because um, it's, we're going to be looking at the story of Zechariah. And as, as you see, Zechariah, Zechariah uh, is, is one of the people in the, the Christmas story that, that I, I can relate to because he, he had some... Even though it was good news, he had some trouble receiving it. And I can, I can um, relate to that because we get to see through his story kind of uh, the, the reality of, of life and how, how sometimes our, our experiences make it difficult for us to, to receive what, what the Lord has for us. Um, I'm going to pray and we're just going to jump into our text. We're going to be reading a lot of this account because, well, it's the Bible and it should be read. So that's what we're going to do. 
Um, but Lord, we, we thank you for, for your word. God, we thank you for this moment to hear from you. God, we ask that you would open our, our eyes and our ears and our hearts. God, would you block out uh, distractions? Would you speak to us in a way that is transformative? God, would you, you like you, only you can do, would you speak the individual uh, words? Would you highlight the, the truths for each one of us that we need to receive from you this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So our text today, we're going to be looking in Luke uh, chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. It'll be up there, but it's a lot of words. It's a lot of verses, so it's going to be small. So you may want to, you know... Open it in your digital, your phone or your iPad or, you know, if you have one of those things that the paper, the analog version of the Bible that they used to make, uh, you could turn to Luke 1. And we're going to be uh, starting in verse 5. It says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah and his wife and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. How many wish you could say that was said about you? <laughs> I never read this. I'm like, man, I don't know that that would be next to my name right now. Um, verse 7 says, They had no children because Elizabeth was a, unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, I, I want to pause right here just to highlight. You've, you've probably heard me say this before. You may be aware of this, but it's important for the story. Um, being barren in, in Bible times, in, in, in the ancient Near East, in, in, the, in the first century, was not the same thing as, as, as not having kids right now. It was a matter of life and death to have a family at that time. Um, aside from just the, the cultural shame around not having a kids, there was a very real risk involved in not having lineage, not having children that could support you in your old age. There was no Medicare. There was no Medicaid. There was no, you know... Um, hospice and all of these things that, that, that we have come to know as, as a, a part of our, our culture that helps, helps support people. Um, they didn't have any of these. That, that was your family, was your lifeline, was your support system. And so um, we see this in here. This is not just a personal, um, a personal grievance that, they, that Elizabeth and Zachariah had. This was a, a matter of life and death that we see here. And it says they were both very old. That means this was past, right? <laughs> this, is, this was now their lot in life. Verse 8 goes on. It says, one day Zechariah was serving in the temple for his order, uh, for his order was on duty that week. Now, uh, at this time, you know, he was a priest. Sometimes we think, you know, there's like a little band of priests there. The, the, the priests were the, the, the Levites, the people of the people, the descendants of Aaron. And there were a lot of them. I mean, there was like way more than they really needed. In fact, they had to, you had to draw lots and it was, and when your, when your name was called, you got to serve for, I think it was two weeks, but your name may only be called once 
or twice in your lifetime for this type of service. So this was a, this was a huge week for Zechariah and Elizabeth. His name, his number had finally gotten called. He was going to be able to do the thing he had been training for his entire life. So it's, as we continue, uh, it was his week in verse 9. It says, as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. And what, verse 11, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing, right, standing to the right of the incense altar. Now, remember, this is... Malachi, the, the book of Malachi was the last word of the Old Testament that God had spoken to his people. This is the first recorded, I guess there could have been others, but to our biblical understanding, this is the first time that there's been an, a miraculous, a supernatural visitation in almost 500 years. This was a big deal. Anytime an angel shows up, it's a big deal, but especially when you haven't seen one in, you know, Five centuries. Um, so the angel of the Lord stood there at the, at the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. The Lord has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with sp the spirit and power of Elijah. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. If you were here last week, that may have sounded, that little phrase at the end, that description may have sounded familiar because that's what we, we read that last week. In Malachi's prophecy, remember it in the, the end of it, it talked about, uh, he prophesied that there was going to be coming a, a day of judgment, that God was going to come and set things right. And he described somebody that was going to make the way for God's coming, and he uses this exact language. In fact, Luke borrows from Malachi so that we, you know, 500 years gap and we're a little dense. He uses the exact language so that we can make the connection. That this is who Malachi was talking about. That he, he is coming. Man, I tell you what, if you're, if you're Zechariah, talk, talk about good news. Talk about something amazing. Not only, hey, Zechariah, you are going to have a child. After all this time. You're going to have somebody that, 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 that can carry on your line, that can, that can watch out for you. And not only are you going to have someone, it's going to be a son. And not only that, forget doctor, lawyer, this guy's going to be like the man. He is going to change your nation and turn your nation back to God. That's some good news. But look at Zachariah's reaction. Verse 18 says, Zacharias said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also along in her years. So 
Gabriel brings this, this great news to Zechariah to answer his prayers, but, but there's something in Zechariah that's resistant. See, it doesn't fully come out in the language, um, but we can compare this. There's another account, which we're not gonna, we don't have time to go into, uh, around this same time that's very, very similar. I think you know what I'm talking about. Gabriel was a busy week, you know, it was a busy month for Gabriel. He hadn't done anything for 500 years, and all of a sudden he's got two dates on his appointment book. You know, he's, he visits Zechariah, and then he visits Mary. You know? And, and the two, the two, uh, the, the stories are very similar. And the language, the words, when we read them, seem very similar. Zechariah and Mary's reaction. They both kind of ask a question. But we, we can see by Gabriel's response that Zechariah's question came from a very different place in his heart than Mary's question did. See, uh, Zechariah's question wasn't he wasn't just asking a question he was questioning and that question was was born was being birthed out of some some hesitance and some resistance and some disbelief We know at one point he asked the Lord uh, for a child because it tells us in, in the opening sentence Lord the Lord has heard your prayer. Kids were, we've talked about, kids are important. So, so we know for a fact that, that Zechariah had at some point been praying to God, praying hard that, that the Lord would bring him a child, bring him a family. But most likely this prayer had been prayed so long ago, he had, give, he had given up on the prayer. He had prayed it and, re, and at some point got to the point where he, he realized or he, he believed, okay, well, that was that's the end of that. We're past we're past the point where God's gonna God's gonna answer this prayer, and He abandoned the prayer. He gave up on it. If we want to stay ready to receive Jesus, we have to be open to His timing because it's not ours. And um, this is one of I think the the most difficult things really in in all of our life in Christ is understanding and keeping fresh in our mind and being open to God's timing versus our timing. And uh there's just a couple of key thoughts I want to I want to share with you before we go on um and and these are not going to be super specific um and nothing you've not heard before but they're important. And the first one is this um God's timing is above our pay grade. God's timing, are, nowhere in Scripture does it charge us as humans with the role of understanding God's timing and plans. It talks about how he, he will light our way, He will reveal in His timing those plans, but we are not promised all those answers. And to be honest, we don't have the capacity. <laughs> we don't have the capacity to understand the complexity of the plans of the God of the universe. I don't understand how my TV remote works. Number two, it, God's timing and plan is always centered around his bigger plan. 
Listen, our, 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 we have a life, and we have a life with God, and he has plans for us, and he has, he has things for our good, but it is always going to be centered around a bigger plan. Bigger than you can think or imagine or hope. And not all of that plan is about you. <laughs> I, 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 I hate to break it to you, but, you know, none of us are the center of the universe. And God's plan, while you are precious to him and you are a part of his plan, you are not the center of his plan. And that is, that is hard, but it is an important thing for us to understand and learn to accept and be open to. The third kind of thought about God's timing and plan is that God's plan is always for your good, but also his glory. God's plan is always for your good, but also for his glory. But staying open to God's plan and timing is really hard sometimes. It's really hard. It's easy to misunderstand what's going on because of all those things we just said. And misunderstanding God's timing and plan can lead to frustration. And frustration, if left unchecked, can lead to bitterness, to hard-heartedness, and to disbelief. And when those things begin to creep into our lives, we can get ourselves in in some real trouble, like Zechariah. See, the scary thing is that we can hinder God actually accomplishing his plan in our life and in the lives of others. He's God of the universe. What do you mean I can stop God's plan? Listen, I, I don't know how all this works. I just know what I know. Um, I know that God chooses to give us a level of responsibility in our lives. He has, when God created us, he gave man a, a certain level, a certain amount of, the, 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 the technical word is dominion. And he holds us accountable for that. I'll give you just a couple of examples. The first one is, is uh, death. Listen, death was not part of God's original design. Everyone ever think about that? There was the, the system God created in the garden with the, the tree of life and Adam and Eve was a, was a system that didn't ever have to break down. I was reminded of that this week as my, 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 my dad's mom, my, my grandma passed uh, on Wednesday. And, um, and uh, you know, just seeing that process play out with her and, and with our family. And, um, you know, now you're in the throes of all the, the family stuff. And we're going to have a, just a small family service um, to honor her uh, later this week, I think on Wednesday. But... Just got me thinking about this idea that, you know, death was our, our doing. This was not, this, you know, classic, a lot of times we like to, to think about like, oh, you know, that's a cosmic thing. God must have made it or the devil made me do it. No, that was our, we chose 
to accept that and introduce that into, into this world. That's a kind of a big cosmic thing. You say, well, I wasn't there. I didn't, you know, I didn't eat that apple. <laughs> That's not my fault. Well, okay, maybe not. But, but we've all done this in our own lives. Someone's been praying for a better job situation. And God sets things in motion to, to get you a promotion. But you were so busy being frustrated and disillusioned that you, you ticked off the guy the Lord was going to try and use to get you to the other job. We have dominion, and when we don't understand God's plans and timing, and when we think we need to understand them, we create our own stories about them, and that can lead to frustration, and that can lead to hard-heartedness and disbelief, and then that leads us to division with God. That's why it's so important to learn to handle our hurts and our disappointments and our misunderstandings properly. Because it's, it can be the difference between keeping a heart open to God's timing and being able to be ready when he is ready to move and putting ourselves in a position where we actually start resisting and start working against the very thing that we want to see God do in our life. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we handle when, when we don't understand God's timing or, or when, when, when we have hurts or disappointments in our life. Well, there's a, there's a couple of things, and it's really not a, a, you know short answers as much as it is a, a process that we need to make sure that we are actively engaging in throughout our lives. And I just broke it down to kind of a, a few, um, I'm going to call them steps, but Things that we need to be, I know it's very specific and scientific, things um, <laughs> that we need to be doing um, to make sure and to help us stay open and sensitive and, and, and open-hearted to, to the Lord. And the first one is to assess. We have to examine our hearts and invite the Holy Spirit to reveal any issues you know, we can't deal with something we're not aware of. And uh, the best way to do this is just, there are, some, there are questions that we can ask ourselves and then, then and if we'll, we'll, we'll take the time and pause and um, think about these things and give space, I believe the, the Lord will, will help guide us and show us these areas that we need to deal with. These questions are about examining our heart, not about finding faults. See, one of the, one of the reasons why these, this, when we're talking about God's plans and timing and misunderstanding them, um, it can get hard is, and we can, we can kind of miss it, is that we tend to, when we look at our life and hurts and pains in our life, we tend to stop short of, of the pains and the hurts and the disappointments. We look for sin, Right? We look for, did I do this? Or did I, where did I go wrong? Where did I do the wrong thing? Where did I sin? And, and so we look and we, 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 we look and we treat that sort of stuff. We understand that. But a lot of times, that's as far as we go. We think, we, we just don't, we don't process, we don't spend a lot of time 
examining things that are bad for us, things that can damage us that isn't our fault. Because for some reason we have this idea that like, you know, it's just sin that, that, can, that can damage us in our relationship with, with, with God. We're, I think it's a Western thing where we're very focused on guilt and innocence. Anyway, so here's a couple of questions that I will pose to you this morning. And these, these can be things I, I encourage you to let's, we'll, we'll kind of process them this morning. But these are great questions to just periodically ask yourself that the Lord can use. Um, and the first one is, uh, where is it? Ah. What is your resting heart position? You know, it's okay if you don't know that, that phrase, because I made it up this week. So it's, <laughs> you wouldn't know it unless, unless you were in my office this week. Um, you know, resting heart position, it's, well, it's a lot like resting, you know, your resting heart rate. You know what that is? It's the beats per minute that your heart does when you're just not active. You're just your standard. It's just kind of your, your default heartbeat. Right? Well, your resting heart position is, is just that, but in the, 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 your default level, day in, day out, your level of peace, joy, and connection to God and to others. See, we all have one. A resting heart position. And as children of God, as followers of Jesus, it should be like I don't know, scientific. It should be like an 8 out of 10. Our default resting heart position should be one that we would categorize as very joyful, very peaceful, very connected. That should be our expectation. And that should be what we see as generally where we are in life. Now, there are seasons, of course. I mentioned you know, my family's experienced a loss this week, and there's going to be, there's going to be, rightfully, there's going to be grief, and there's going to be loss, and there's going to be emotions that come with that. That's a seasonal sort of thing, though. If we look, if you look back over your life, if the season you're in, you say, my, my resting heart position is really low, and I'm in a season, and I ask, and I ask you, how long has the season been? And you say, 10 years? That's not a season. That's like the Cleveland Browns front office bad. There's something else going on. It's not just a season at that point. There's something we need to address. So what is your resting heart position? Next question is, is there something in your past that you give permission for it to cause you pain or steal your joy today? Is there something in your past that you give that thing permission to steal your joy and cause you pain today? I think we all have, can have these things in our lives. There are, there are things in my past that... Not every day, but from time to time will we'll, we'll come up, whether the enemy brings them up or circumstances. 
And for me, it's, it's, it's usually centers around things I did in my mid-20s. <laughs> um, and we won't go into all of that today. But they can come up, and, and with them, if I, if, if, I, if I don't handle them properly, it's easy for me to start using those things, and I start believing, oh, because of that thing, I, I, I almost I give myself permission to be in pain or not have joy in today because of that thing. And that's just not scriptural, folks. God doesn't, we don't have to be in bondage to the things that happened. God wants to break those. That's the whole reason Jesus came, was to, to break that sin, break the, 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 the iniquity and that pain and that hurt, and heal those things in our lives so that they don't have to steal our joy. We don't have to accept those things. Third question, is there a circumstance that you believe has to change in order for you to be at peace and connected to Jesus and others? I'll say that again. Is there a circumstance that's going on in your life right now that you believe has to change in order for you to be at peace and connected to Jesus and others? In other words, there's this thing. If just this, if this thing was, was different, then, then I would be connected to Jesus. Then I, I, I could be at peace. Now, I'm not talking about sin, okay? This is outside of sin. Yes, if, you are in, if there is a sin in your life, there's something that you, that, that you know the Lord has said or you know is wrong and you're doing it, that is going to create issues. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about other circumstances. I'm talking about life situations. I'm talking about, you know, it, it, there's a, uh, if, if, just, if just work was a little different or if, if just your kids were a little different or your husband was a little different or your wife was a little different, then you could have peace. If you just had more time, if you just had more of this, if you just didn't have this thing over there, then you could be connected to, to those around you. If I was, didn't have this insecurity or this thing, I would be able to connect with Jesus. That is another clue. If there's a circumstance that you believe has to change, listen, God is the God of peace. And God, Jesus already came. Christmas already happened. So did Easter, like in real life. Not the cell of the holidays, I'm saying. <laughs> he actually came. He already died. He already rose. All of that has already been provided for us. We don't need anything more circumstantially to happen to have peace with God and peace of God. And so we need to assess and start taking notice of those, of those things so that we can deal with them. So that God can deal with them. When we are confronted with these sort of thoughts, what we do with them will have a major impact in our life. Next to sin, hurt and bitterness is the most damaging thing that our souls face. Way more than circumstances ever will. It's, it's the how we deal with those circumstances 
impacts us. So as we become aware of these things, what, what, what do we do with them? What we assess? And then the next step is we're, we gonna, we're gonna confess. We're gonna confess. Confession is not just about sin. Confession is about declaring what is to God. It's exposing all of who we are to Him. And not just to Him, to others. To have, have a relationship with people that we can, we can be honest and open about what's going on inside of us. We have to, we have to confess. Once we assess, we have, to, we have to say it. We have to declare it. We have to make it, make it known, make it real, put it out there. And it's scary, but, but it's the only way to deal with it. So we have to assess, we have to confess, and then we have to in, invite. We have to invite the Holy Spirit, we have to invite God into that thought, into that bitterness, into that hurt, into that whatever it is, into that circumstance, into that misunderstanding. Say, Jesus, I don't, I don't, I don't get this. This thing that happened, I, I don't understand it. I, this is how I see it. You messed up, and this is my life is like this because of this. That sounds harsh, and it's hard to get to a point. Some of us would, some of us can't imagine talking to God like that. <laughs> like you just like, well, I, I don't, I don't have a table strong enough that would insulate me from the lightning bolt. So I just don't. Say that. But you know what? God's, 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 he's seen and heard a lot. Probably worse than what you have to offer. Um, he, he's a big boy. And he, he can take it. And you know what? He wants to take it. The prophet says he, he does he desires truth in our most inward parts. Listen, if that's how if that's what's in your heart, you have to you have to give that to him. It's not like he doesn't already know it. But until we choose to open up, until we choose to show that to him, he's not going to deal with it. Because remember dominion. He gave us the choice to hide. And as long as we do, it will stay covered and it'll stay and it'll, it'll mess us up. So we have to invite Jesus in to those thoughts. Even if we don't have the solution. You know, I, maybe you're like me where I, 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 I'll invite Jesus in or, you know, if there's a problem, I like to invite other people in after I've already figured out how to fix it. Right? <laughs> Because that's really makes me look good. You know, hey guys, there's this big huge problem. I don't know what we're gonna do. Well, don't worry. I actually, what if we did this and da-da-da, and you have all the solutions, and then then da-da, you know, aren't I smart? That's not what we need to do with God, because we don't have the solutions, but that's why we wait. We wait to get the right answer and then take that to him as well. He's not your teacher. Right? He's not your school teacher where, you know, your school teacher you can't go to and say, here's the problem. I don't have the answer. They give you an F. God's not like that. He's, he's, he's like your homeschool teacher. You go and say, I don't, know, I don't know how to do this. And they say, okay, sit down. Let me, let me, let me help you. 
So invitation. Next. And now we get into the really hard stuff. You thought that other stuff was hard. That's the... <laughs> That's all the groundwork. These last, there's two more. The last two are, are, are really where the work is that we don't always get to. Next one, and it's relinquishment. We have to relinquish some of those thoughts, some of those, those things that we've been holding on to, those circumstances, the, the certain rights that we think we have to those. We don't. We have to release our need to understand. There are some things that have happened in your life that you will, listen, never fully understand why that happened. And that's okay. But we have to release. As long as we're holding on, as long as we have a thought, and the enemy loves to, loves to, to, to pick on us this way, is to, to get us to think that we need the answer. Like, the, like understanding it's somehow going to bring healing. It's not. Not necessarily. If I, have a, if I have a gaping wound in my chest, knowing what caliber bullet shot me is not going to fix the wound. Going to a doctor, letting him take it out, sew me up, give me whatever it is they need to give me is going to fix the wound. I can have all that done and never know anything about the guy who shot me or the bullet that hit me or any of that stuff. We have to let go of, of our desire to understand. Because the reality is, the reason we want to understand is because it gives us a feeling of control. That's really what we want. We want to be able to control it. And if we understand it, then we can control it. Second thing we need to relinquish is we have to release our will and accept his. And that is hard. That is hard. But you know what? He did it first. In the garden. You remember Jesus? Night before his crucifixion. God, I don't want to do this. This is not going to go well for me. I don't want to do this, but not my will, but yours. And because he sacrificed his will for ours, it now releases us. We now have to sacrifice our will and accept his. Whether we understand it or not. And the third thing we have to relinquish is the, we have to relinquish the need for someone to make it up to you. That may not happen. Especially if you're waiting on the person, if there's a person involved. You can spend your entire life hurt waiting for an apology, waiting for, for a recompense that's never going to come. So we have to release the need for someone to make it up to us. And so we, we release those things. And after we release, then the final step is kind of like, it's the step of, Okay, so we, we've let go. Now we're going we're, we're gonna to kind of take a stand. This is how we move forward. These are kind of our, our declarations of our new, new ways of thinking, new, new lines of, of, of engagement, new, um, 
the new way we're going to operate. And we're going to uh, put those out by renouncement. All right, so we're going to we relinquish. Now we're going to renounce. And there's there's three kind of three things that we're going to we're going to state and we're going to renounce and we're just going to anytime this issue comes up, we're just going to keep fighting these fights until it becomes till it becomes what we really think and feel. All right? And the first one is we're going to renounce the the lie that you have to feel the way you do because of that thing. We're going to renounce the lie that you have to feel the way you do because of that circumstance. Whenever, whenever that feeling comes up, whenever that hurt comes up, whenever that, that, that uh, thing comes out, we're, we're going to renounce the lie that you have to feel that way because of that thing. So I don't have to. Jesus died on the cross. I have given this over to him. I don't have to let this thing control the way I feel moving forward, regardless of what that thing is. Second thing is, we have to renounce our right to use that thing as an excuse. <laughs> this is the one that can get a little owie because over time, eventually what we can do is, we, we, that, that pain, that hurt, we, we, we get so used to it, it becomes like somewhat of a crutch. Right? It becomes the thing that I don't have to feel bad when I, when I experience loss or when I'm not able to succeed or when I fail at a certain thing. I have this nice thing, this nice circumstance over here that I get to, I get to just point to and go, well, of course I can't have a healthy relationship because blah. And so we have to renounce our right to use that thing as an excuse. Say, God, you are so big. Jesus, you have freed me and healed me. I do not, I do not, I let go of my right to use that as an excuse anymore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna own my future. I'm gonna give my, my future to you. And I'm gonna choose to believe that what you said is true. Number three. We're going to renounce the lie that, that the circumstance, that, that history or that memory has any right to power or impact your destiny anymore. It's the end. When we do these things, we say we're drawing a line in the sand and from now moving forward, it, it, this is, listen, this is not a, like a one time we're going to do a prayer here or you're going to walk out and it's all over. This is like a, a re, literally you're going, this is, this is what Paul talks about, renewing the mind. This is, this is a fight, but if we fight it in 30 days, in 60 days, you can be thinking completely different about your life. Your relationships can have a complete 180 because you will be interacting with them differently. Because that, 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 that family member or that, that relationship that just is constant, constant struggle for you and they just are able to, you know, whatever they say just crushes you. You can let go of it and you can change your interaction with them without them ever changing. We can believe that, that my destiny is not contingent on that person changing. 
Because God has a hope and a future for me, and I can walk into that, and there is nobody on the planet that can stop me from walking in the destiny that God has called me to if I will be faithful to do the things that he has called me to do. So we renounce all of that stuff. Because it is a lie. That there is nothing that has the right or the power to impact your heart or your destiny anymore when we, when we allow Jesus to come. And even if up till this day you've had all kinds, of, all kinds of this going on, the good news is it doesn't have to continue. If we jump back into our story, we see how God handles these sorts of things. So Zechariah expresses his, 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 his resistance to, to Gabriel, and Gabriel responds to him now. We're going to jump back into the text, and it's, it's quite the response. Verse 19 says, Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Every time I read that, I always picture like a, it's like a Scarface moment, you know? It's like a mobster thing. You talking to me? <laughs> it's kind of crazy, though. Like, that's, that's where Zachariah's heart was. This glowing angel of the Lord is telling him something, and he's going, ah, uh-uh. Uh-uh. I prayed for that, and it didn't happen. Fool me once, shame on me, Right? And so Gabriel kind of kind of has to step his game up, apparently, to get, get Zachariah's attention. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. Now, this word, uh, you will be silent and unable to speak. I learned something new when I was studying this. That whole, the, the phrase, be silent, doesn't actually mean, um, it's not a restatement of unable to speak. Be silent means can't hear. So he, would, he, was, he was deaf and mute for this whole time. And how do, how do we know that? Well, if, if you jump forward in, in, in the story, which you're familiar with, when, when it comes time for, for them to, to name Name John, it says that everybody motioned to him to ask him. They did with signs, they asked him what, what the name should be. That's like six, you know, that's nine months later. They would have figured out he could hear by then if he could. But since you didn't believe, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Now, on the surface, this looks like Gabriel is like issuing like, you know, the sleep with the fishes. You know, this is a punishment. This is God getting even, getting back, punishing Gabriel. His language kind of sounds like it. But, but what he does, what he actually does do here is something completely different. See, The worst thing that God can do in our lives is not, is not punish us. It's abandon us. If God really wanted to punish Zechariah, he would have just 
said, okay, fine. Have a good life. And went and found somebody else to give this amazing blessing to. But that's not what he does. He doesn't abandon Zechariah. God is committed to seeing his plan for him come to pass. So he does to Zechariah what he has to in order to get Zechariah's heart where it needs to be. This guy was going to be responsible to raise one of the most important people in history. God could not have him filled with all this resistance and resentment and bitterness. He had to get it out of there because he had an important, Zechariah had an important job to do, to raise John the Baptist. So he gives him a nine-month timeout. You know, we always talk about, oh, I need to unplug. Right? So we go on vacation. I mean, Zechariah got unplugged. He could not see. He couldn't hear. He couldn't talk. Well, he could see, but he couldn't hear and talk. So there's not a lot of conversation going on for these nine months. Why he needed to do this exactly, how this changed his heart, I don't know. I do know that it is amazing what happens to our souls and our hearts when we unplug from everything else. I was watching, um, I was watching the Survivor last night. <laughs> And, uh, uh, you know, it's season 41 of Survival, by the way. <laughs> How you have that many seasons of anything, I do not know. Um, but, but this season, I haven't watched it, and I don't know if I've ever watched it. Like, I've really been a fan of it. But for some reason, this year, Shannon and I really got into it. And last night, it was so fascinating. Uh, it reminded me of this, this kind of this point there's a, a guy on the show, he's an ex-NFL football player, and they're getting towards the end of it. He's been on this, if you're not familiar with the, the, uh, the show, they take these people, they basically put them on an island and they eat rice and do weird contests for a month. And this is getting close to the end. So this guy has been, this guy has been literally on an island, completely disconnected from all technology, all no phones, no, no, no connection with family, nothing. And it was so fascinating. Last night, he, he was, they were interviewing, whatever, and he started talking about how by the, this point, at some point in this, 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 from being disconnected, he realized, he started realizing all of these, these things. I guess his dad had died when he was young. And he had been blaming his dad for his death and holding on to, to, to all this bitterness because he wasn't at his games and he wasn't at his birthdays and all of this stuff. And it wasn't until, I think it's day 20. It took him after, he's, I don't know, whatever, 35, 40 years old. For 40 years, he held on. For 20, the last 20 whatever years, he's held on to this bitterness. And it's been damaging his life. And he didn't even know it. And 20 days disconnected from the, 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 just the jumble of life and all of the stuff. And this, this thing that has been guiding his life just rises to the surface. Such a powerful, I think, example of, of how important it is for us to unplug sometimes 
And that's a stupid game. Imagine if we would unplug with Jesus all of the things that we would discover and get cleaned out of our lives. Listen, I don't know exactly why this time out, how this changed Zechariah. All I know is I can look at the text and see that it did. Because if we fast forward nine months, we, we see what happened a, as a result. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 15, or 57, it says, When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. Because from the outside looking in, you know, 65, 70-year-old lady having a baby, especially back then, like that's not a real high success rate. Um, But the baby was born, so they're all rejoicing. Um, So when the baby was eight days old, they came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father, because that's typically what you would do. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There's no one in your family, in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted him to be named. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. And instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. All fell on the whole neighborhood, and, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. We see see Zechariah's punishment, his, his sentence, actually becomes a miracle that brought glory to God and people were able to see that the Lord was doing something special. It wasn't about getting even or punishing him. It was about God's timing. Remember, it's above our pay grade. He's doing things in ways that we don't understand. But maybe even more encouraging is the change that we see in Zechariah's heart. He finally, after nine months, can talk. And look at his first words. And starting in verse 67, it says, Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he had promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant. And if you skip down to 76, it's a really long passage we don't have time to read it all but in 76 he says and you my little son will be called the prophet of the most high because you will prepare the way of the lord you will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because of god's tender mercy the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give us light to sit to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us into the path of peace Listen, Zechariah's pain, unbelief, and bitterness had been replaced with gratitude, with peace, and with a hopeful vision for the future. This is what happens when we let Jesus into our pain, into our disappointments, when we release our control, when we relinquish 
those things. And we, when, we, when we take a stand and refuse to let them affect us anymore, and we receive his guidance, and we receive his healing. This is how, how we stay ready for Jesus to come. I want to just give us a moment to, to respond this morning. Maybe there's a, a, an area in your life as I was speaking that, that, that came to mind, a circumstance that, that has been holding you back or a, a, a situation that, that, that you've never gotten resolved, something that you've, you've allowed to, to have permission to affect you in ways that it, it shouldn't. If you want to just, if everyone just to kind of close your eyes and, and join me in a, in a moment of prayer, God, would you would you just join us in this moment? God, we invite you, Lord. We thank you that that you have come, God. We we thank you that you continually come to us. Jesus, would you search our hearts, God? You know us better than we know ourselves. Would you show us any area of, of bitterness or disappointment that we have not properly taken care of? Any hurt that we've allowed to, to fester? Any disappointment that, that continues to, to, to affect our, our perspective, our vision of others, our vision of our future, our vision of you? God, would you, would you highlight those things to us, even this morning? Would you begin the work of, of, of drawing those things, giving us the courage, the peace to, to admit those, to reveal those things to you? How would you give us the, the faith to believe that life can be different? To get a glimpse of what it could be like to not have that guilt or that pain weighing you down every day. To not, not automatically see everything as the worst possible scenario. To not automatically expect everybody to disappoint us. To be able to, to look at our future and genuinely see uh, good things there. To believe that, that life doesn't have to be lonely. God, would you, would you expose those things that are, are driving those lies, those hurts and those pains that are just have us tangled up? God, we start today. We give those things to you. God, we release our need to understand every, every detail of, of how those things happened or why they did. God, we, we, we don't care anymore. We just want you to, to heal us from them.
God, we refuse to let those things be a, uh, uh, an excuse moving forward. God, we stand against the lie. We stand on your truth that, that you have a hope and, and a future for us. That you have called us to freedom and wholeness. And you, your, your sacrifice on the cross is, is sufficient for our healing. And we receive it in your name this morning. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that, that you love us so much that you don't just abandon us when, when we don't receive you right away and we don't and we are we're hesitant and we we, we are fearful and, and we're resistant. God, you you partner with us, you continue to pursue us, Father God, and we thank you for that. We bless your holy name this morning. Amen. 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 I'm done. God bless. Don't forget food and decorations. Hang out. Have some fun. Deck a hall.